Hello, welcome to another episode of Flamenco Attitude. This is the podcast that brings you all things flamenco, from the music to the guitar playing to the dancing and the culture, how we live for it every single day. My co-host, as always, is Marcos, who's a flamenco guitarist and a broadcaster, and he has spent many years in Andalusia playing and meeting people and exploring the culture in depth. So he is the best person to talk about Andalusian life and flamenco culture on this podcast. I'm happy to say that we're now into our second season. And thank you so very much for everyone who has listened to us so far and who keep listening. If you're new, welcome. I do hope you enjoy it. Uh, Please go back to the previous episodes for more context and find out how we start and what we talk about previously. But I also want to say uh, a big thank you to our newest listeners that I see that we have gathered. So shout out to all of you who are in Ecuador, Ireland, and also Portugal. Thank you so much for joining us because I, I did notice that you are quite new. Also Tunisia. Welcome and hello to you as well. And I have noticed that we have gained new listeners in the United States, Australia, the Netherlands and actually Spain and France as well. I do realize these are huge countries, so we are conquering you little by little. And thank you so much for your love and appreciation. We are sending you our regards. Now, in this episode, we're talking about the uh, great Federico Garcia Lorca. He is best known as a Spanish poet, but we're going to go in depth about his contribution and his involvement in the flamenco culture, how he got involved in the flamenco culture as well, his life and his works. So Marcos is going to take me through his creation of the very first Andalusian or flamenco festival and we're going to probably treat you to a line or two from his best poems so without further ado let's get into it well you're probably wondering how did you get into flamenco that was my first first question I mean um, because he's born in in the late 19th century 1898 in Fuente Baquero and he's has I think we understand he had like a nanny that sang some flamenco and he has some relation to, to the, the gypsy people through, through his family. Mm-hmm. So in Granada, he starts um, listening to flamenco from a very early age. And it becomes, I think, a very important part of his life. Uh, it doesn't emerge till much later because obviously he gets sent to university in Almeria and all, and all these different things. But uh, as time goes on, he becomes more and more interested in this flamenco. Yeah, how does somebody like Lorca, who is from a posh family, a rich background? Yeah, is it is it the same as with uh, rich people and jazz musicians? Is it that sort of thing? Is this how the love comes about? It is because what you've got happening is Spain, for want of a, a better word, has, has lost its last colony in Cuba and all of this, and you've got this thing emerging in the early 20th century that people feel well, you know, what is the identity of Spain? And suddenly you get these intellectuals that think, well, Spain, flamenco is, is the identity. It's a, and the, what they start calling it a national treasure. And, but they've got this concern, which would probably annoy a lot of people because this has gone on as the decades go on. Oh, the, the people doing the flamenco, they're diluting it too much and we've got to get it back 
to a higher standard. And he wanted to actually ground them and yeah. started almost from scratch, from what I understand, and build it up. Yeah. So yeah. He, he becomes a friend of uh, the greatest uh, Spanish composer from Cadiz, Manuel de Falla. <coughs> um, and Falla was a, a major figure. I mean, you've got to realise that he had around him all these different people that worshipped him, like the great guitarist Andres Segovia. Mm. And they got together this idea in, 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 I think it was, I mean, the concurso was in 22, but I think they started the idea in 1921. Right, what we've got to do is we've got to have a competition. Yeah, you put it, <laughs> because I, I know almost nothing about flamenco, but Marcos always feeds me something before each episode, so I'm, even though I know nothing, I'm always somewhat prepared. So you uh, put in my notes here that, he described flamenco as the gigantic creation of Spanish people. Yeah. And there's a key year where he decided to come up with this so-called concurso. Yeah, but, but it wasn't really his idea. Mm. But he gets roped in yeah. uh, by Faye. So Faye says to him, now listen, I want you to go around Sacramonte, all these areas of Granada, and find some really good singers yeah. and guitarists. I want you to research, because we're going to have to put on this competition. Now... You've got to realise that at the time, in the newspapers, this was highly criticised. You know, why should we raise money for a competition for, for a gypsy art? You know, it's, mm. it's just a waste of public funds. And they, they ignored this, and Fai would say to Lorca, now, how are you getting on? Have you found some really good singers? And all this, oh, yeah, I've, I've been meeting these different people, and he was... And they were, they were, and don't forget, they were having to do this very late at night when the type of flamenco people emerge. come out to merge. <laughs> yeah, you know? And he yeah. goes, by the way, where, is, where was Lorca born? He was born in, in, in Granada, probably. In Granada. In Fuente, and he has to go to the small villages of Andalusia. Take me a little bit through his route. Which villages or uh, uh, towns? Well, it, well he spent most of the time just going to the small villages of Granada province. Mm. But he was already making contact with people in other other provinces of Andalusia to find out, do you know if there's anybody who Place, sings? Yeah. You know, we don't want commercial, because they were already... I mean, it sounds incredible to say, but even in the 20s, they were concerned about commercial flamenco. Well, yes, because in the 30s, we already had this uh, lady that we talked about, the first recorded yeah. artist, so that's not too far off. No. So people were already getting onto it. Yeah. Well, well, interesting, I think you're talking about La, La Nina de los Peña. She yeah. actually came, as far as I know, to the concurso in 1922. Yeah. Uh, I think when you, you've looked at that cartoon of all the characters that are there, yeah. and I think there's a, she is pictured in it. But what they do, they... They think, well, we've got to raise funds for this. Now, this is not a small thing, Gallia, because they wanted to give, give away eight and a half thousand pesetas. Roughly, price. roughly, how much this is? Well, today? That's, oh, that, you've got me on that, mm. but that is a mass. That is a. I mean, when you think that a peseta was quite a lot, one peseta then was yeah. an awful lot of money. That was divided up into other yeah, units. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was a very, very big. Prize, yeah. and so they get together a group of intellectuals. They they advertise it. They get a bit like me and you getting together to get yeah. commercial sponsorship, but it wasn't really called that in that days. And say, okay, we're going to do it. And where do they decide to stage it? The Alhambra. And what is the Alhambra? Well, the Alhambra is obviously one of the greatest 
Arabic palaces in Andalusia. Mm. The Alhambra is, is, well, it's a national, it, like, it, like flamenco, it's a national treasure in itself. National building treasure, yeah. yeah. So they want to put it on in the, in the uh, Plaza de los Aljibe, and it gets the go-ahead. Now, the interesting thing about this is that, obviously, Lorca, uh, you know, he, he was already uh, writing uh, poems which he was, and he was, he was getting noted, noted in the new local newspapers because yeah. he was writing these, and he was giving these little poem recitals, which were already mentioning some of the words of flamenco or the forms of flamenco, solia, mm. all all of this. He was already doing this in a way leading up to this, and the most fascinating thing about this thing that actually creates the whole concept of what we had in the years to come of festivals, flamenco festivals. And, and this is sort of a competition, It's right? a competition, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So w how do people compete then? Well, this w what happens? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, a man called El Tanathas, he's 61. He's got yeah. apparently one, one lung, and he walks from Morong, Moron de la Frontera in Sevilla, all the way to Granada for this competition. Is Granada further? No, Granada is further south. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So long. It's a long way. Yeah. Right. And another person comes, who was to become extremely famous, a very young person, Manolo Caracol. Now you have mentioned Caracol. Caracol. Nice snail <laughs> we always you, get. <laughs> we always mention Caracol. Um, so we, you know, you've seen the way it was portrayed in the press. You've got, you've got all the. Uh, it was Corpus Christi, and the people were sheltering under the chairs because there was a bit of rain. And you saw, you've seen the stage, and you've seen the picture of Tanathas singing, and the judges, like Andres Segovia. Mm. So he's portrayed with those very heavy glasses that he wore, yeah. and you can see the picture of Lorca there. They're all there, yeah. you know, and they decide that uh, the winner is difficult. We'll have to give two prizes away. Yeah. We'll have to give Tenathas for his purity and we'll have to give Caracol for his youth. And that's how it's all, all worked out. Yeah. And you've probably seen the programme for it. it was beautifully designed. The tickets were all, you know, all art, pieces of art, you know, in, in themselves. And we <laughs> I think Lola will get the award for mewing. <laughs> this is the third award. <laughs> Sorry, we we have to okay. Well, while Marcus is opening the door for Lolo to go and have his afternoon nap, <laughs> well, I want to ask you this then. Um, I don't know whether they had cats in the Alhambra at that time. <laughs> I did ask you once, actually. Remember, I asked yeah. you, does flamenco have you know, affiliation with pets or anything like that. Well, then, and you yeah, said I that mean, for so many years you didn't actually Yeah, hear well, that. well, no, if you go to all the great places associated with fl flamenco, like, like the Alhambra or the, the, Al the Alcázar in, in Sevilla, they all have uh, little cats that live in the gardens. Cats, yeah. And cats, that are fed by the gardeners. Yeah. And I do think, I'm going to say it here, I do think cats love flamenco and appreciate flamenco. Whenever you play it, he never protests. But anyway, this was a nice little diversion. Back to it. Uh, the, con the concurso. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I should have said that the guitarist there was the great originator of, of the solo guitar, Ramon Montoya. He, mm. he was, he was we one of the... We mentioned him in one of our exactly. previous... He, he's so, if you look at the cartoon of it, there you've got him, 
Tanathus, this little old bald man of 61, singing. And you can see all, all the celebrities that were in the audience there to judge this. And how did people warm up to this idea? Because that was probably a quite novelty idea to have a well, concourse. Well, the, the great thing is, what's incredible about this, this filmmaker from London, uh, Neville, he... he Edgar, was Edgar it, Neville, yeah. yeah. It's good you helped me there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he came out to do reports uh, for the London Times. Mm. So this was actually getting reported across the world, this event. In, yeah. in Flamenco was suddenly, you know, so he wrote articles for the Times discussing what happened at this thing. And he's, he subsequently wrote a whole book about it. Um, so it was, you know, it, it was a project which has given us, I think, all the festivals that we've ever had after that time. Yeah. Because it gave the whole thing of, oh, yeah, we can put Flamenco on as either a competition or a festival or yeah. a competition within within a, within a festival, a festival. yeah mm, mm, mm. and w were there uh, people who opposed it at yes the time? yeah there was a lot that was, could be interesting the, 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 for us to hear there was a lot of criticism of it yeah um, lots of people resented it being put why on. though why did they resent it what well, was the they problem? said they, well because they they said you know why would why should gypsy art be supported you know by by these funds it, it, it can exist on its own it doesn't need this yeah um but the actual artists were happy to be on i guess oh the artists were um but there was a kind of um reaction in the in the granada press you know is this a good thing or is it a ridiculous idea etc etc so it wasn't universally seen as a massive hit Mm. You know, it was um, there was there was criticism of it. I mean, it was quite an ambitious thing to do because yeah. I mean, uh, the Alhambra is, is you know is a, is a wonderful palace, and to put on something like that at that time was quite a big deal. But as I said to you, you know, we know that Lorca had already started working towards his two great works, which we've got here in front of me. Poema del, del Cante Hondo. So, could you please translate this for me, Hondo? Well, Cante Hondo is a, a way of dis uh, describing the very deep uh, parts of the flamenco. Mm. Um, so, it, it means uh, things like the, the cigarilla, the solia. Yeah. It only refers to that, that is the Cante Hondo. So, it doesn't refer to rumba or mm, any of these yeah, yes. yeah. That is not part of it. Yeah. And um, he's already this collection that you're looking at, this would be brought together from various small recitals he was doing. So you've got that, that's his great his greatest work, Poema del Cante Hondo, and then you get the Roman Cero Gitano, yeah. uh, which he, you know, I'll tell you the important thing about this, Gallia, is apart from the fact that he actually uses the the, talk, the actual styles of flamenco in the, in some of the titles, look at the way it's been used by the greatest artist in flamenco, Camarón. So he's actually taken some of the poetry and set it into his music, yeah. uh, as have so many flamenco artists. Yeah. And it's interesting because Lorcan neglected his other duties to explore flamenco, is that correct? He's, he, he was supposed to be studying. 
He was, yeah. But he instead he campaigned for the festival, for the concurso. Yeah. And he also um, dedicated a lot of time to exploring and writing rather than studying law, I think it was. That's right. He was studying, supposed to be studying law, yes. Mm. Um, he became totally enraptured with it. Yeah. And it became a, the, probably the most important thing in his life. And if you think about it, um, even today you get festivals where the artist will dedicate everything to him yeah. and they'll sing in the different styles his poetry so yeah. his, his influence on flamenco is, is absolutely massive it, it can't be understated I mean he, he is literally we use this awful phrase legend but he really is a legend and he'll, he'll live forever in, in, in the flamenco and uh, I mean what, what about when he wrote you know the guitar makes dreams weep yeah as I was browsing around this morning before I came for us to record, uh, I was browsing to see whether um, there are any poems, um, you know, of Lorca in my native language. So I go on it, and I see that actually I, I could find only one uh, publication, and I click on a very random uh, part because this is this th we're not talking about uh, poemas del Cante Hondo. I think it's another publication with two other uh, people that he uh, comes up with, and uh, this is just a rough translation that I'm going to give you uh, because there are two other authors on it in this little uh, booklet uh, that they have uh, come together, and I click on a random one called village and I presume this is from the times that he was going and exploring and everything I, this is very rough translation but he talks about um, a mountain top with crystal clear waters ancient uh, olive trees yeah and he says that there are uh, narrow streets people dressed, you know, in the typical Andalusian style, and there is a minaret, almost like a tower, on top, where this thing for the wind, how do you call this, the wind, um, you know, it shows oh, which the, side of the wind. Oh, uh, uh, weather vane. Wait, so the, we <laughs> the weather vane, yeah. yeah, spinning round and round forever, yeah. and he says, oh, you are um, a faraway forgotten village amongst my crying Andalusia. And this is a very rough translation. Yeah. It's so powerful, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you brought up the most key word, olive. He was regarded like an olive, as an essential part of, of Andalusian culture, the, the olive, you know, that comes every year on the tree. Yeah. Um, and um, somebody that I knew v uh, very well, uh, who sadly uh, has passed away, a great flamenco artist. She's made a whole album dedicated to Lorca. This is Rosario Lopez, and it's an absolutely incredible record. Maybe you'll be able to find a, a track from this that you can put in, yeah. in, in this programme. And it's, um, it's very, very, very strong and all about the life of Lorca. Did Lorca also, was he the person who, if we look at flamenco styles and you know every single uh, typical flamenco song has to have for example the olive you know a typical word uh, or words or phrases from it was he the person who benchmarked that and made typical words the absolute stamp of what an Andalusian yeah, song very much would so. be I like. mean people yeah. had obviously sung about these things before yeah but he brought it together in a yeah. particular style 
yeah. that was so rich yeah. that most flamenco artists almost the vocabulary the dictionary yeah. the vocabulary of the yeah. cante yeah. yeah so we would have olives we would have a village yeah uh we would have uh water i do yeah. see that a lot yeah. fire we talk about fuego yeah uh what else would be there uh yeah we do talk about the religious semiotics a lot yeah it's all in his poetry yeah, yeah. and then of course the sad thing they say is that they they killed the Ristignor yeah. because he wanted to sing. Yeah, that was one of the tragic parts. Yeah. Uh, parts of it. Um, in 1936. 1936, yeah. yeah. But before that, talk to me about his key work, uh, Romanciero Gitano, that's considered his finest, from what I it, it, it is, and it's something which um, you, you look at it and you think, well, you draw on it, to uh, inspire yourself, but also, I mean, I'm not a singer, but if I was a, was a singer... You would be the finest. I, 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 would, I, would, be, I would be you, singer, you know, yeah? Um, yeah. And then you try to take those words and set them into the rhythms of, of flamenco, yeah? Or, uh, as we did recently, you can have a, a recital where you, you get somebody that's a brilliant narrator to recite this while you play some flamenco guitar underneath. Then... Um you touched upon his tragic end. Yeah. Why was his work considered almost dangerous? Or almost, well, you know, the, the reason why he was killed? Um, you've got to realise that if we're, I mean, we're, we're recording this programme in England and he would have been probably the only Spanish person that anyone could name, you know? Um, We'll, we'll never know the real reasons. Especially back then, the, the, yeah. most, the most recognized Spanish yeah. author from back in the day. Yeah, because of his plays and his poetry. We'll never know the real reasons. There's been many books written on what actually happened. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to end this with a... Uh, <laughs> let's say he was in this office, and it's believed that the, the military said on the phone... Dali Cafe, give him coffee, which meant... This is the end. This was our episode dedicated to the brilliant Federico Garcia Lorca. I do hope you learned something new. I definitely did. I, I'm always enriched by these conversations with Marcos. And until the next time, whether you listen to, play or study flamenco, remember to always follow the beat. <laughs>